Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is Renji Phillip, and we're talking about his brand new film, The Wake of Light. Welcome to the show, Renji. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Jen. So it's nice to have you on the show. Let's. This is a really interesting movie. So um, I, I want my audience, because it's very different, and I really want my audience to know a little bit uh, of the of synopsis of the film, but also how this film came into into being, which into light, I should say. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what, t- t- tell us a little bit, the audience, so they know what this film is about. So the film is about a young woman who is living in a small town, and the only thing she's ever known in her life is caring for her aging father. He had a stroke when she was a little girl and she's kind of taken care of him ever since. And her whole life has been dedicated to making sure that his every waking moment is taken care of. And one day she meets a young man who's on a cross country road trip, kind of coming through town and he has some car trouble and they meet and he kind of falls for her and they kind of hit it off and he ends up asking her to come with him on on this road trip and leave her father. And she's got a very difficult uh, decision she has to make. And I'm not going to say what decision she makes, but uh, that's the conflict that she has to overcome. Very good. We don't want to give anything away (laughs) about the film. So what inspired you to, because you wrote it, you directed it, and you produced it, and uh, which is your triple threat on this film. So what what inspired you to write it? Yeah, so I grew up in Colorado and I, I, I've done a lot of, I, I did a lot of fly fishing growing up, a lot of spending time in the woods. And I've always felt kind of a spiritual connection in nature. Um, it's very peaceful to me. So I always wanted to capture that in a film somehow. And a few years ago, I was actually on vacation again in Colorado in a small mountain town called Carbondale. And it's this tiny town that just felt very much stuck in time. It, there was just a tiny main street of a few mom and pop shops, but all the people in the town, they were all out, they were shopping, they were saying hi to each other. And it just seemed like such a, a very unique town to set a movie in. And then I got the idea of putting a female character who on the outside, it would appear like she has the world at her feet. Like she's just in the prime of her life. She can go over the next hill, go over the next 10 hills and really start her adventure in life. But for whatever reason, she can't leave. And so she's stuck in a town that um, she's very much, there are not many young people. And I thought that's a, that's a good start for a character. So if I could create a story around a character who is in a small town like that, who can't leave, for reasons beyond her control, I thought it would be a good start. And I just kind of rolled with that. And you filmed this um, in natural light. So talk about that process, too, because you did this a very um, small film crew and didn't have the usual accoutrements, uh, the heavy cables and everything else uh, filming this. So what? why did you make that choice to, to film so this? What- and 
when I when I was lo- yeah when I was location scouting where we were actually going to film this I I uh, I found Sutter Creek which is in Northern California and uh, that the surrounding area there has these rolling golden wheat fields uh, that I thought was a, a a really perfect place to, to shoot the film in and when I went location scouting up there I actually arrived up there two weeks before we started shooting with my DP and we went out and we really did a second location scout and we found specific locations where the light really looked kind of special at certain times of day and we wanted to be able to shift locations very quickly if the light looked better uh, somewhere else so in other words if we were shooting in the house at let's say 11 a.m. but a scene down by the river all of a sudden the light moved and was looking a certain way we could quickly shift and shoot that scene down by the river so it was all dictated about how the light looked at different times of the day and yes i wanted to avoid a lot of you know a lot of lighting and a lot of cables because i didn't want it to look studio perfect to me because that can on occasion look a little sterile to me. I mm-hmm. wanted to try and I wanted to try and capture the natural feeling that that I feel when I'm in the woods and when I feel uh, when I'm around a river or you know in a certain place that has a certain vibe. I wanted to try and capture that. So that's how we went out we went about trying to shoot the film. It was based on how the light looked at different times of day. And how did you find Sutter Creek? Where exactly is it? I'm not familiar with Sutter Creek. So Sutter Creek is south of Sacramento. It's like in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. And okay. I found it by one day I, you know, I originally had wanted to shoot the film in Colorado at that very town that I was on vacation in Carbondale, but I thought it would be a little bit too much of a logistical challenge to get my crew out there. So one day I set out from L.A. and I, I took a little highway called State Road 49 up the central San Joaquin Valley towards Sacramento, towards Lake Tahoe. And that actually, that road is, it's called, I, I think, California's gold mining highway. And what's very interesting about that town is it's dotted with about four or five tiny towns that used to be gold mining towns that now are not gold mining towns anymore, but, you know, they maybe have a winery or something like that. But they, there are these old towns that are very much stuck in time. So that's how I found Sutter Creek. I didn't know about it until I actually just set out one day and basically drove north until I found it. And I started looking around and I thought, wow, this is perfect. This Main Street is really perfect. It really is perfect. Now, I know there's Sutter Creek wine, so I thought, oh, this must be up near wine country, but it's, it, well, there's so much wine throughout California. It is, but it's not like Sonoma or Napa area, but uh, that's a, a pretty area too. So you, but then you waited, you, you, you went ahead and you filmed this, and then you waited over a year to film, what, the final, is it the final scene? And because The final scene. To, final scene, you wanted to film it in the Big Sur area, which is We wanted I to live. film it where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, and where I live, yes. If you remember that landslide that happened. Yes, I do. <laughs> we got a, a bridge. <laughs> that's right. So I'm not going to give away the ending of what that location is. But we mm-hmm. couldn't get to a location that we 
absolutely that I just felt like we absolutely needed for the ending shot of the film. So we ended up waiting an entire year. And in, 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 in the following year, the highway still wasn't, hadn't been cleared from this landslide. And so I thought, okay, you know, this thing has a risk of just disintegrating unless we shoot the end of the movie. It's like the pressure for the actor, the actress really to, to look the same and her hair had to look the same. And it was a lot of pressure to just keep endlessly pushing it off. So we we found another location for the end of the movie, but we were set on, um, yeah, we were, we were hoping to do it in, in the Monterey area, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy with what we got. Yeah, well, it, it is, and it's, it's, it's beautifully shot. Um, it really is, and, and I love the fact that you used, what, 99% natural light throughout this film. So, it was, you know, given the title to The Wake of Light, it, it, it really was ideal. I want to talk a little bit about the cast because Rome Brooks, who plays um, the young woman, um, she's got, she's, I feel like I've seen her in other things. She just looks so familiar, but she is so, uh, so really expressive and uh, delicately beautiful and, and well acted in this film. So talk a little bit about her and how you cast her. Cause I do want to talk about the casting of the other characters of this movie too. So I first met Rome about 14 years ago. She auditioned for me for a short film I was doing at the time. And I immediately was struck by her authenticity, and we've worked together on four projects since then, and I actually wrote this part specifically for her because I know what her strengths are, and I knew what she could do, and so I wrote the character in a way where I felt she would be able to embody it and really put a, pull off a great performance, and I was really happy with what she did. That's a nice compliment to have somebody write a film for you, for sure, <laughs> as an actor, an actress, for sure. Uh, well, it, 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 the proof is in the pudding. It turned out beautifully in that respect. So then then I, I want to talk about her father, William Morton. Yeah, he, he, he was he, he was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, so talk a little bit about him because you've worked with him before, too. Yes, yes. William and I are friends. I initially cast him in. Like I think it was like my second short film I did, and we've worked together about three other times. We're also outside of uh, outside of film. We're very good friends, and William is a Vietnam vet, and he has a lot of life experience. And I've always told him um, that he doesn't have to say anything on the camera because there's so much written on his face mm-hmm. that comes through that he doesn't really have to do that much. And he conveys a lot of emotion and a lot of intent. And um, so I actually wrote that part for him too. Wonderful. And their, their chemistry, had they worked together before? Yes. Yes. The three of us had worked together three times in the past before. So we have a very good shorthand. We have a very good, we have a very good relationship, the three of us together uh, the thing about William is, even though he doesn't talk in the movie, he's a very outgoing, very funny, very gregarious guy. So the hardest, the biggest challenge of working with him in this was keeping him from cracking jokes, because that's what he likes to do all the time. So to, for him to play a role where he, he didn't talk and he didn't get to be cracking jokes all the time was, was quite uh, funny. 
And, and that's the most difficult acting too to to do is when you don't have anything to say, you know, and you're not, yeah. it's not, you know, uh, to emote uh, through your facial expressions and your body and everything. So that's the most difficult. And he, he's, he's absolutely wonderful in it. He, he really is. And then the young man, Matt Bush, who, is this, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about him and how how you yeah. cast so him I, in this part. I had known about Matt from a couple movies he did a few years ago. One was called Adventureland, and the other one was called mm-hmm. Nice Guy Johnny. And I was always struck with Matt's um, sensibility. He's got a very interesting sensibility and energy about his acting. And while I was writing the script, Matt just kind of popped in my head for the role of Cole and didn't leave. Um, he pretty much stayed there the entire time I was writing the script and I started really seeing Matt in the role. And then we were fortunate enough to be able to actually get him, um, you know, after we finished and we were getting ready to shoot the film. And there's an interesting, you know, the chemistry between he and Rome is, is very, it's, it, it's very interesting how they interact. Did, had they ever met before, uh, before this film? They had never met before the film, no. Which kind of worked because they kind of get to know each other on camera, just like the characters do. Yes, yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. And it, it works. It works really well. The casting of this film really works well. The music. The music is also a big part of this film, and um, it's like another character in its own way. So I want to talk. I definitely want to talk about the music, and and um, it's it's wonderful. It's it's just wonderful music throughout the film. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, the the composer of the music and um, how you came about finding this composer? Sure, sure, absolutely. So actually, there are two different composers I used for this. There's there's a, a gentleman by the name of Josh Kramer who wrote and performed all the piano parts. And then there's a gentleman by the name of Josh Mansell who did kind of the connective tissue underscore and some of the more tense music cues. But I'll talk about Josh Kramer's piano parts and how that contributed to the process. Um, I... Back again, when I was writing the film, when I was writing the screenplay, I came across Josh's music and I started listening to that music because it had the right emotion for what it was I was trying to write about. And so as I was writing, I was listening to Josh's music the entire time. And actually his music informed a lot of the writing decisions that I made. And then after, well, when we started shooting the film, I was again also listening to Josh's music in my headphones. I wasn't listening to the dialogue. It was more important that what I was seeing on the monitor was matching the emotion and tone of the music that I was hearing in my headphones. So that's how I blended those two things together. So those piano parts were a very big part of the creative process. And then when it came time to actually score the film, I thought, oh, 
okay, I'm stuck now because I have absolutely fallen in love with this piano music. Mm -hmm. And if any composer tries to do anything else, of course, instinctively, I'm going to reject it because I'm so set on this piano music. So I was very fortunate to be able to track Josh Kramer down, who was living in Turkey at the time. I told him about the movie. I told him about how his music had played such a big part in the creation of it. And we were able to uh, come to an understanding and, and he let me use that music. And so we were very fortunate to be able to have that in there. It's a big, big part of the film. Oh, it is a big part of the film. It really is. As I said, it's almost another character. So he was in Turkey. What was he doing in Turkey? So he's a, and you, he's and a you composer. Tra- and, you tracked him, and you tracked him down. <laughs> That's also amazing. Yeah, I tracked him down through his website. And um, I think that he was actually composing music for a ballet um, oh, at the wow. time. He, go- he goes back and forth between the States. And, well, he travels a lot. Um, but fortunately, we were able to pin him down and he was really open to the idea and uh it worked it does it's perfect and then you found uh josh mansell to do to do more do the um do the score so how did how did how did that work go ahead and that part was actually more difficult because josh mansell had to come in to the post-production process when we already had a ton of piano music in there and he had to create cues that connected those different parts. So that was a huge challenge. But I had worked with Josh three times in the past and I knew that Josh and I worked really, really well together and he was able to do some amazing cues like the flashback scene in the field, some of those darker, more conflicted emotional moments in the movie he was able to do those music cues and i think somehow it really works well blended in with those piano those the the piano cues on either side it really does work well yeah it really does as i said the music is absolutely wonderful in it did you also edit this film i know you're a triple threat you (laughs) did everything else but were you also um did did you do the editing or did you have an editor that you worked with i i had an editor um of course i was very involved with it, but I had an incredible editor by the name of Matt Dizel. And what Matt helped me to do, um, which was very critical, was not go too far off the story access into the kind of ethereal, poetic aspect of the film, because it was very easy to be top-heavy with the poetic aspect of the film. And he kept the film very much grounded in the story, in the linear story of what happens to Mary, the relationship with her father, the meeting of the young man, the, the linear story moving forward. He was almost a lifeguard for me in keeping the movie balanced right between that and the more poetic aspect of the film. That's that's great to have somebody who can do that, you know, and keeps it keeps it balanced for you because it, that's so important. It's easy sometimes when we're involved in all aspects of the film that you sometimes can't see it because you're too close to it. So to have oh, that person totally. that yeah, to have that person that you can bounce that off of. You also you trained as a, an actor. So how did you switch from? Do you still act, or are you still acting, or are you just? doing more writing and directing. I I don't act anymore, but it definitely is in my blood and it definitely lends itself to working really well with actors. So yeah, I was, I I trained as an actor for about eight years and 
Um, what that did for me as a director, obviously, it enables me to, to speak the actor's language. And what that has done for me as a writer is it's enabled me to understand circumstances that lead to action. So in other words, what makes a person, you know, blow up at another person? Well, I understand the intent and I understand the backstory and I understand everything that needs to be in place from a story point of view. So when that event happens, the audience goes, I get it. It's like the, the, the setup and the payoff. And so acting has really informed both the directing and the writing that I do. It's a great background for absolutely everything. So that's, that's a great way to do it. What do you prefer? What do you like to do most? Do you like to write more or direct more or produce? Well, if I could, producers? I would be directing all the time. But since I just I, I, I can't do that, I love writing. I love the act of creating something from nothing um, because that really is like the most creative act in the filmmaking um, kind of container because with writing, you have a blank page. You have nothing there. And then you have words on a page that create something. Everything else is interpretation, right? The actors interpret the words on the page. The director interprets the words on the page. The editor interprets the, f the footage that's caught. The musician, you know, interprets the tone that's happening. So I really like the pure creation of the process of writing. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be a little scary with a blank page staring yeah. back at you. It is. But so what inspires you? I mean, what kinds of things? Well, obviously, the, you know, this town that you went to visit was an inspiration for you, this small little town in Colorado. It was the uh, inspiration to start to write this. Um, so, but generally, what inspires you? Are you working on something now that you got your inspiration from well, some I, I special think, place? Yeah, I, I think I've always felt kind of compelled to write stories about characters that might seem a little bit different on the surface or might make different kinds of choices, but then in the end, end up being relatable and bringing people together, right? So initially you have this girl, Mary, in the wake of light, who seems different. She seems like a loner. She has no friends. She's taking care of her father, when in reality, she's you would think a woman like that would be, you know, maybe moving to a bigger city or maybe starting a family of her own. So she seems like a loner. But then as we follow her through the course of the film, we see that we're very able to relate to the things that she's going through. And then when she makes the choice she makes at the end, which is a different choice, hopefully people will look at that and say, I see why she did that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense mm -hmm. to me. So on the surface, I like people that seem different. And then through the course of the story, you end up showing the reader or the audience that ultimately we're all in the same boat and we all have the same cravings and the same needs and the same fears. And I, I believe if there's one theme that kind of pushes me and inspires me, it's probably that. I love it. I love it. And that's what this film does. You dedicated this film to Warner Herzog. Why? Well, it was a great, grateful acknowledgement. And I'll tell you why, because he has instilled a certain work ethic and ideology in doing things no matter what. And he's a quite obsessive filmmaker. And if you, if you 
if you see his interviews and if you see his movies, you see the extent that he's gone to to create shots and to create movies. Like in Fitzcarraldo, he pulled a steamship over a mountain, and he really did that in real life. And so he has instilled a certain amount of get the shot no matter what to me. And that really has guided my moment-to-moment awareness when I'm on set. Like, it doesn't matter what comes up, what, what obstacles come up. It doesn't matter. Get the shot the way you need to get the shot, no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly the way you have to do it. It really is. Uh, has he seen this film? I don't know. That's a good okay. question. Okay, you have to make sure you get it in front of him. Where can people see The Wake of Light, Renji? So the film is now streaming with the Lemley Theater virtual theatrical website. Um, it's streaming exclusively on that from January 15th to February 15th. And then on February 16th, the film goes wide to Amazon, to Apple TV and iTunes, to Google Play, and the DVD will also be available with a second disc that includes the complete soundtrack. So you can get all that piano music. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. We were lucky to be able to offer that as well because it's such a big part of the film. And the website is thewakeoflightmovie.com. And all the information's on that. Great. Wonderful. Renji, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and I wish you much success with The Wake of Light. Everybody, seek it out. Thank you, Jan. I love being here. You're welcome. You're welcome. You can listen to The Jan Price Show whenever and wherever at thejampriceshow.com, where all my shows are archived or on your favorite podcast network, iHeart Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, YouTube channel. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show and also on Facebook, The Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies.